Transitional absurdity, contemporary craziness and its antidote, or how the ludicrous can coexist with hope. Creative systems theory brings very big picture, long-term perspective to the human condition. It addresses understanding as a whole, not just particular concerns, and it helps us make sense of the very different ways we have understood ourselves and our worlds over the course of history. But it also provides perspective for addressing critical questions in our time. The creative systems theory concept of cultural maturity, maturity delineates how effective decision-making in times ahead will require capacities new to us as a species. Appreciating this fact helps us both take on the specific tasks of our time and make sense of contemporary phenomena that otherwise might leave us baffled. There is one current circumstances-related creative systems theory notion that I have not written a great deal about. The concept of transitional absurdity describes how a lot that we can find most disturbing, indeed ludicrous in our time, is predicted by how change in human systems work. Transitional absurdities are products of three related mechanisms. Some transitional absurdities simply reflect stopping short of what our times demand of us. This can be either because we fail to recognize that anything new is required or because contemplated needed changes is more than we can tolerate. Other transitional absurdities are products of overwhelm and regression in the face of new demands, and others still reflect overshooting the mark, avoiding what is being asked by applying old ways of thinking in ever more exaggerated ways. Some examples of specific transitional absurdities we will examine shortly include the kind of denial in the face of inescapable challenges we see with climate change, intractable polarization as we currently witness in the social political arena, debilitating feelings of aimlessness or alienation, expressions of what creative systems theory calls our modern crisis of purpose, the selling of values of the most superficial sort, most specifically extreme forms of materialism and looking out for number one individualism, and techno-utopian beliefs that make invention the assumed solution, whatever the problem. There are good reasons why I've not written more about the concept of transitional absurdity. The very big picture nature of the concept can make it difficult to be sure that a particular phenomena at a specific point in time is a product of these dynamics. In addition, the concept is easily misunderstood and applied in unhelpful ways. It can be used to justify ideology-based critiques of views a person may find absurd only because they differ from one's own beliefs. And people who are vulnerable to depression and cynicism can misconstrue the implications. Cultural maturities can seem to leave little reason to continue on. But while the concept can be tricky to use well, it is an essential tool for the culture mature leadership's tool bag. Understood with needed depth and subtlety, it offers essential perspective. Indeed, it provides an antidote to exactly the dangers that one that can come with its misuse. The concept helps us get beyond ideological easy answers. And while cynicism could easily seem a warranted response, in fact, the concept is consistent with hope. Indeed, it is difficult to justify being hopeful without such a concept. My purpose with this podcast is to provide the needed depth and subtlety of understanding. I will expand on earlier writings where I have addressed specific transitional absurdities. I will also more thoroughly set the stage theoretically. I will begin with a couple topics that draw specifically on creative systems theory, the evolution of narrative and what creative systems theory calls the dilemma of trajectory. Each topic helps make understandable how the specific distortions I will describe are products of big picture cultural dynamics. Each also helps clarify why we see the particular kinds of distorted beliefs that we do.
After these stage-setting reflections, I will then turn to particular examples, adding to and updating those I have noted previously. It is hard to ignore that much that goes on in our times is not at all sane, and we must not ignore it. We pay a high price if we do. The concept of transitional absurdity simply adds that we also pay a high price if we become overwhelmed and misinterpret what we see. We can end up hiding in denial, becoming immobilized, or succumbing to limited and often ludicrous easy answer thinking. At the least, we can let what we encounter distract us from what our times ultimately ask of us. Narrative and Transitional Absurdity The first stage-setting topic turns to the stories we tell about who we are, to the evolution of narrative. Creative systems theory chronicles how the stories we humans tell have changed over time and readily identify and identifiable and creative systems theory argues creatively predictable ways. Creative systems theory also addresses how this evolutionary process continues today. Stepping way back, the theory describes a progression from animistic narratives in our tribal beginnings, where truth lies in our interrelationship with nature, to great mythic tales with the early rise of civilizations, where truth lies with interrelationships of a more magical sort, to legends in medieval times where truth lies with blood-based authority and moral right, to the more heroic and romantic tales of our modern age, to today's increasingly postmodern beliefs. A closer look at the evolution of narrative over the last 300 years helps highlight what we see with transitional absurdity. Creative systems theory defines ideology as any belief that promises final fulfillment and last word truth. In this sense, heroic and romantic narratives, like all narratives previous, were ideological. Heroic narratives describe the overcoming of obstacles to realize some ultimate achievement. Romantic narratives describe some meeting either personal or more encompassing that results in emotional or spiritual completion. Heroic and romantic narratives can work alone or together. The most familiar of social narratives, the American dream, opposing political worldviews, the traditional beliefs of our various religions, progress's promise of ever onward and upward scientific discovery and technological advancement are all of this heroic romantic sort. <clears throat> Following heroic romantic narrative, we find stories of a more transitional sort, stories that straddle cultural maturity's threshold. That word postmodern makes a good catch-all term to describe this kind of story. I've written extensively about both the contributions and limitations of postmodern perspective. Postmodern thinking first appeared with existentialism over a hundred years ago. In the latter years of the past century, it has had an increasingly prominent role in academia and less explicitly in culture as a whole. You can see the link to previous writings. Cultural, uh, postmodern perspective effectively challenges ideological absolutes, but at the same time, it is capable of only the most beginning grasp of what, if anything, may lie beyond them. At its best, it alerts us to the fact of multiple viewpoints and the importance of taking final responsibility in our choices. At its worst, it reduces to different strokes for different folks' arbitrariness. Easily becomes, in effect, both another kind of ideology and a kind of ideology that is particularly tedious and difficult to counter. Such is the expected dual fate of straddling belief. <clears throat> Cultural maturity's new narrative provides the needed next step. It takes the best of postmodern insight and then moves beyond it. Cultural maturity's cognitive changes make it possible to engage experience more consciously and fully from the complex whole of we, who we are, and through this to better address the complexities of the world around us. In the process, they offer that we might more fully transcend ideology 
by leaving behind both absolutist belief and the postmodern tendency to elevate the absence of belief. The result is essential guidance as we look to the future and the possibility of a new and deeper sense of responsibility and purpose in our experience of being human. To get, today we encounter an easily confusing mix of cultural stories, heroic and romantic narratives left over from modern age assumptions, postmodern belief, and the beginnings of culturally mature perspective. We can think of the various forms of transitional absurdity in terms of this crazy quilt of conflicting stories. Some trans transitional absurdities reflect the inability to see beyond the heroic and romantic assumptions of times past. Others reflect reactions to confronting the loss of past more ideological truths, either distortions of belief or depression grief on recognizing that no new such absolutes are likely to replace them. Many of the most significant transitional absurdities reflect attempts to apply past more familiar stories in exaggerated and thus ultimately even more ideological forms. The result is claims and actions that are at best silly, at worst dangerously misleading. <clears throat> transitional absurdities are problematical not just because they distort perception. What I think of as today's most fundamental crisis, our time's crisis of purpose, is ultimately a crisis of narrative. You can see the crisis of purpose link. We lack shared stories sufficiently compelling to guide us forward. Transitional absurdities leave us distanced from the ability to recognize the essential need for a new story and further still from the ability to address it. The Dilemma of Trajectory and Transitional Absurdity The second stage setting topic focuses attention on a unique circumstance that comes with transitional dynamics. The changes that come with the analogous point in any formative process involve more than just letting go of one stage and moving to another as we see with every previous stage. They bring into question the whole developmental orientation that up until that point has defined growth and truth. This circumstance confronts us with a critical quandary that might seem a showstopper. Creative systems theory calls it the dilemma of trajectory. In the dilemma of trajectory as it manifests specifically in culture's developmental story, we find the origins of some of the most extreme and most crazy-seeming examples of transitional absurdity. The dilemma of trajectory follows directly from how change in human systems works. Creative systems theory describes how each stage in any developmental process's first half produces greater distance between differences than we tend to describe that we tend to describe in polar terms. Some examples with particular pertinence to culture's evolutionary story, ever greater distinction between the individ individual and the collective between the material and the spiritual, between mind and body, and between humankind and nature. At transition, this defining impetus reaches an extreme. The dilemma of trajectory brings attention to how going further in this direction stops giving us anything of value. Indeed, there is an important sense in which it really stops being possible at all. Contrasting the two developmental periods in our personal lives for which people commonly use the word maturity both highlights this quandary and helps clarify how further, further options, indeed rich and important options, might lie ahead. The first half of personal development is marked by process that, processes that produce ever greater independence, individuality, and authority over the world around us, each expressions of increasing difference and separation. Our first definition of personal maturity, becoming adult, reflects this familiar trajectory. <clears throat> but while this general direction of change works well in the first half of our lives, in fact, it defines growth, in the second half of life it stops serving us in the same way. 
if we continue on as we have, the second half of life becomes increasingly absurd, at best a thin caricature of youth. Successfully engaging second half of life developmental challenges produces changes of a specifically integrative source. This is not to say that individuality becomes less. In fact, it continues to grow, often manifesting in particularly delightful and idiosyncratic ways. But when we successfully take on second half of life developmental tasks, the tendency toward difference becomes counterbalanced by equally important integrative mechanisms. If we look to culture's story to this point, we see changes analogous to those we encounter with personal development's first half. Similarly, we find growing impetus toward independence, individuality, and authority. The invention of, of fire freed human migration, the Magna Carta affirmed basic human privilege, the Declaration of Independence proclaimed the right of the individual to the pursuit of happiness, and the Industrial Age brought dramatic new expressions of human dominion and control. Again, focusing more specifically on the last 300 years, growing delineation of the individual will and a newly perceived authority over nature and the irrational have, in effect, defined our modern age. Such achievement could not have been more significant. But today, in a similar way to what we see with personal development, this developmental trajectory has stopped serving us. The tasks of our time demand accomplishments of a different sort. While much of what we have reaped and will continue to reap from our ability to stand separate in the sense of individuality and autonomy of choice is profound, the future cries out as much for a new appreciation of how we are related, a fresh understanding of caring community and the common good. In a similar way, well, culture's evolution has also brought with it increasing human control over nature, over our bodies, over life's deep mysteries. Today, almost the opposite seems equally a part of what is needed. A new humility to what we cannot control, a new sensitivity to when we should be listening as opposed to directing whether the voice needing attention is the natural world, our tissues, or the unfathomable. We confront profound questions, indeed questions with godlike implications, but the authority needed to address them is not some ascension to a final chair of dominion, ourselves somehow becoming God. It is also different from some further iteration of the Enlightenment's grand goal of bringing all of understanding into the pure light of awareness and realizing final control over the untamed. Indeed, many of the problems we face in today's world derive from just such hubristic notions of what right action is about. We are left in a pickle that cannot be resolved within the assumptions of our first kind of maturity. Any familiar notion of going forward threatens to take us in a very wrong direction. Thinking of polar differences more generically helps refine our understanding of the dilemma of trajectory and its implications. Creative systems theory describes a gradual progression over the course of history from realities in which more connectedness related, more left-hand, more archetypally feminine sensibilities prevail to today when more difference related, more right-hand, archetypally masculine sensibilities predominate. Cultural maturity's threshold presents a strange circumstance. The archetypally masculine has today almost wholly eclipsed the archetypally feminine. We stand in a world of all content and no context, of all right hand and no left, of life as ultimate abstraction stretched ever more distance from the foundations of experience. With this more generic picture, we begin to appreciate how the past story of growing distinction is problematical, not just because ignoring its implications can result in misguided actions. Taken far enough, it threatens to sever us from much that is most important in being human, such as our bodies, the child's world of imagination, our human connectedness with one another, and our felt relationship with nature and the spiritual. In a 
Further critical, we say, how distinction and separation can only go so far. We also further appreciate how cultural maturity, or at least something that can produce changes similar to the more integrative mechanisms the concept describes, becomes the only real option. If it is accurate to think of cultural evolution as creative, proceeding further in this direction of distinction and separation leads to circumstances that are not just absurd, but ultimately self-destructive. Transitional absurdity, some examples. We turn now to specific examples of transitional absurdity. I've described how transitional absurdities are products of three related mechanisms. Stopping short of needed understanding, regression in the face of overwhelming challenges, and overshooting the mark. I've included some diagrams in the text version illustrating each of these three. Some transitional absurdities are products simply of the inability to recognize that anything new is being asked of us. The concept of cultural maturity describes how critical challenges before us demand capacities new to us as a species. When a challenge we, we face is of this sort and we as yet lack the requisite maturity of perspective, not only will our actions prove ineffective, we will fail to recognize the questions that most need to be asked. I've included a couple examples that highlight one of the most important of these needed new capacities, the ability to acknowledge and act wisely in the face of real limits. You can also see the link to the limits post. The first of these, climate change denial. Blindness to the fact of real limits is perhaps for most obvious with the ignoring of damage done to the environment and the potential for ecological catastrophe. Climate change puts the possible consequences of such blindness in particularly high relief. It highlights not just environmental limits, but also limits inherent to ideological belief. Too often the climate change conversation reduces to debate over whether we can be sure that climate change is real, which science by its nature cannot tell us. When it does, we end up asking the wrong questions. See the article, see climate change, how asking the wrong question produces results that are in effect suicidal. The appropriate systemic question concerns risk assessment. We want to know whether the risk of adding further carbon to the atmosphere is worth it. With this recognition, climate change denial shifts from being a legitimate position to transitional absurdity. I propose that ignoring the data today is like playing Russian roulette with five bullets in the chamber. The healthcare delivery crisis. In a similar way, with healthcare, we can keep inviolable limits at arm's length. When we do, again, we end up asking the wrong questions. We endlessly debate healthcare delivery approaches when no approach can work if we ignore limits. I've written extensively about how effectively addressing the healthcare delivery crisis will require a willingness to consciously limit healthcare availability to, in effect, ration care. In turn, this will require new maturity in our human relationship with life's ultimate limit, with our mortality. Limiting care that might otherwise be available requires that we choose death, and not just for enemies as in times past, but for people we love and perhaps for ourselves. I've argued that the healthcare delivery crisis will in time make other death-related human challenges such as abortion, capital punishment, and assisted suicide look like child's play. Because confronting healthcare limits asks so much of us, politicians on both the political left and political right have found it easier to ignore them. Each has paid a steep price, both in political capital and in the larger sense that effective policy remains yet far in the future. See the link, healthcare delivery as political crazy maker. Transitional absurdities number two, regression in the face of easily overwhelming challenges. <clears throat> Other transitional absurdities are products not so much of missing the big picture as regressing in the face of all it asks of us. 
Any transitional change requires a lot of us, but as I described, the specific transitional realities presented by the dilemma of trajectory are disruptive in particularly fundamental ways. It is not unreasonable that people could become overwhelmed and find themselves attracted to the easier beliefs of previous times. It is also not unreasonable that people might respond regressively, regressively with despondency and a loss of hope. Partisan insanity. More and more often today we find partisan gridlock with neither side interested in any viewpoint other than their own. Such entrenchment is most obvious on the political right where compromises become a dirty word. But extreme populist progressive voices such as those who attempt to keep conservative speakers off of college campuses can be just as deaf to anything they might disagree with. Creative systems theory describes how extreme polarization is a common response when systems are challenged to more than they can handle. It also alerts us to how the dangers of such extreme polarization go well beyond the inability to communicate. Polarization makes the needed new maturity of perspective nearly impossible. We tend to think of conflicting political worldviews as rationally arrived at differences of opinion. Creative systems theory makes it clear that more accurately, Political conclusions reflect opposing polar perspectives within larger systemic realities. Rather than being about right versus wrong, they reflect competing goods. With regressive polarization, we not only lose what ability we may have had to hear opposing views, it becomes impossible to see larger systemic realities. Politics comes to have less and less to do with governance. Indeed, such polarization puts the whole democratic experiment in jeopardy. See the link to partisan gridlock. Authoritarian tendencies in the developed world. It does not surprise us when we see the election of authoritarian leaders in the developing world. Creative systems theory proposes that when the time is right, such leadership is appropriate and ultimately most effective, at least if it is of the more benevolent authoritarian sort. But in recent decades, we've also seen something different. The rise of more authoritarian voices in countries where modern democratic structures have been well established. This is a problem. And, a specific, and specifically regressive. Why do we see it? More authoritarian leadership promises order and stability in a world in which contemporary changes such as today's postmodern weakening of social norms, globalization, and job loss through, through automation have for many people made life feel diminished and intolerably uncertain. Unfortunately, the ultimate result can only be further disorder and stability's opposite. Depression, addiction, alienation, and erosion of civility. People who are not up to contemporary demands may also respond with despondency. Postmodern realities offer important new freedoms, and cultural maturity offers capacities that let us more effectively deal with adversity. But where people's resources are limited and they see nothing to replace what new realities take away, a regressive loss of hope is a common reaction. It is not possible to know just how directly particular phenomenon that we see today tied to transitions big picture mechanisms, but certainly much that we witness is consistent with them. According to the National Center for Disease Statistics, the overall suicide rate in the U.S. rose 24 percent between 1999 and 2014. There is also today's addiction epidemic with dramatic increases in opioid use, rampant obesity, and least acknowledged, but I suspect of greatest concern in the long term, ever more widespread addiction to our electronic devices. In addition, we witness growing feelings of alienation that can result in hate-related crimes and general social, social deterioration. 
Transitional absurdity number three, overshooting the mark. Many of the most consequential transitional absurdities reflect overshooting the mark in the transition from modern age realities into cultural maturities that needed next cultural chapter. Overshooting the mark is pretty much how things work at any major cultural change point, partly as a result of fear and denial, partly because systems are not homogeneous. When we overshoot the mark, mechanisms that have service become amplified and distorted, producing beliefs and actions that are at the least not helpful and frequently ludicrous and dangerous. Because some of the transitional absurdities that result may be less obvious than those I have noted, and also because they often have particularly important implications, I will divide them into types. Postmodern overshooting the mark absurdities, extreme right-hand overshooting the mark absurdities, and overshooting the mark absurdities that exploit left-hand sensibilities. First, postmodern overshooting the mark absurdities. I've described how, well, postmodern perspective takes steps toward cultural maturity by challenging past cultural absolute. It also ultimately leaves us short. If we hold on to postmodern belief beyond its timeliness, it becomes less and less helpful. If we extend it to an extreme, the result is increasingly absurd and dangerous belief. You can see the post what cultural maturity is not number two, postmodern pseudo-significance. So within that category, first, anything goes truth. When we cling to postmodern assumptions, the postmodern recognition that various people legitimately view the world in different ways gets replaced by belief that makes one choice as good as any other. If we continue doing so, truth becomes arbitrary, a function of little more than whim. At postmodern thoughts extreme, we get anything goes beliefs in which randomness and ironic cleverness masquerade as meaning. At a personal level, this ultimate craziness results in an increasingly prevalent moral aimlessness. At a cultural level, it results in fake news, alternative facts, and all manner of exploitation in the name of significance. Ultimately, its most damaging consequence may be that it undermines attempts to articulate a new cultural story, to establish principles that can effectively guide us in a postmodern world. Another, artificial stimulation as meaning. People have always been vulnerable to confusing simple excitation with significance. Witness, if it bleeds, it leads to journalism and pornography. But in an anything-goes world, this dynamic can amplify dramatically to the point that the effect becomes essentially that of an addictive drug. Addicting drugs work by artificially mimicking fulfillment and meaning. In recent decades, many movies have come to be about little more than shootings, car crashes, and explosions. More recently, we find video games overtly employing addictive jolts of excitement to keep people engaged. This addictive dynamic presents one of the future's greatest dangers as artificial intelligence, big data, and related advances give us the potential to produce ever more powerful and highly targeted digital designer drugs. The fact that we are not more actively in conversation about this danger is crazy and a further reflection of transitional absurdity. You can see the post-artificial stimulation as meaning. Another kind. The right hand prevails to the point of ludicrousness. Our second kind of overshooting the mark. Earlier I described how cultural belief has evolved over the course of history from ways of understanding in which more archetypally feminine, we could say more connectedness oriented, or simply more left-hand sensibility prevailed as with tribal experience to today when more archetypally masculine, more difference-oriented, or right-hand sensibilities largely hold sway. With some transitional absurdities, the right-hand dominance is extended to the point that we fail to question really quite crazy conclusions. For example, materialism, materialism run amok. Numerous important thinkers have alerted us to the importance of rethinking a modern concept of wealth and progress. 
see the link to Rethinking Progress. If advancement is to continue, we must leave behind making material achievement our bottom line and learn to measure wealth and progress in terms of all the diverse elements that contribute to meaningful lives. We encounter a familiar wealth-related transitional absurdity in the unending triviality of modern mass consumer culture, where what we buy, in effect, comes to define meaning. We encounter a related progress-related example in the common growth is always good assumptions of modern economics. Related, techno-utopian belief. People today often assume without giving it great thought that technologies yet on the horizon can solve the world's problems. At the least, this assumption ignores the fact that the ability to invent and the capacity to use invention wisely are not at all the same. Progress-related transitional absurdities take their extreme in techno-utopian belief in which computer power becomes our ultimate salvation and takes, an almost spirit, takes, takes on almost spiritual implications. The result is titillating, simplistic answer escape from the need to think in more encompassing, encompassing and mature ways. See the link to what, is, what cultural maturity is not. Number one, techno-utopian delusions. A further one. Rationality as ideology, or might we say stupidity. The age of reason made rationality intelligence as ideal and endpoint. With cultural maturity, we better recognize that intelligence has multiple aspects. See the link to multiple intelligences. Indeed, the ability to consciously draw on multiple aspects of intelligence comes close to defining cultural mature perspective. See the link to integrative meta-perspective, making sense of cultural maturity's cognitive reordering. When we miss the fact that intelligence is multiple, our rationality ends up limiting our ability to understand deeply, to be rational in the fullest sense. In my book, Cultural Maturity, A Guidebook for the Future, I write about how this common failure presents a major obstacle for education, both higher education and the educating of young people. The whole of our cognitive complexity, all of intelligence, is needed of any of cultural maturities needed to new capacities just to make sense and be effectively applied. For this reason, higher education's age of reason assumption that rationality is truth's endpoint gets in the way of higher education's ability to address fundamental issues of our time and ultimately of its ability to provide effective cultural leadership. With education for young people, we encounter a related kind of blindness in the huge emphasis we now give to standardized testing. Besides measuring only the most trivial aspects of what we need for times ahead, such testing distracts from the creativity of teaching and depth of student engagement that acquiring cultural mature capacities requires. See the link to the future of education. Another place the act of making the rational ideology threatens well-being is with emerging advances in artificial intelligence. While the potential benefits of AI are great, numerous important thinkers have also warned that AI could be our undoing. I propose that the key to this not being the case lies with how we think about intelligence. See link to the article, The Key to Artificial Intelligence Not Being the End of Us. In a purely rational sense, computers are already much smarter than we are. With time, they should have no problem out-competing us. But this picture changes radically when we understand intelligence more systemically. We stand at a fork in the road. We can use AI to make the deeper aspect of intelligence irrelevant, with our undoing very possibly the result. Or we can use AI to free up time and resources so we can apply the multiple aspects of intelligence in the most encompassing, creative, and wise ways. Exploitation of forgotten sensibilities, our third kind of or shoot the mark. We also find absurdities and dangers that come from the exploitation of sensibilities and values that have come to have diminishing influence with modern age realities. For example, the artistic, the world of children, community, the life of the body, and the spiritual. Precisely because the sensibilities that they reference have been largely forgotten, these further examples may not be as readily recognized as those I've listed previously, but they are just as important. 
because transitional dynamics leave us distanced from these essential aspects of who we are, and overshooting the mark leaves us distanced even further. Their power, their power becomes readily co-opted. First, receptivity's last remnants. The word receptive perhaps best captures the archetypally feminine. Receptivity is about taking in. It is needed for any deep capacity to listen, for sensuality and pleasure, and if we are to effectively know what most moves us and thus understand meaning in our lives. Yes, in spite of the fact that receptivity is so fundamental, when I make reference to it today, very often people barely recognize what I'm talking about. Today's last faint remnants of receptivity can be easily exploited. In part, this is because we are so distant from the receptive and its workings. As much as it is because receptivity's rarify can, rar, rarity can amplify the felt importance even of imposters. I think of how shopping for many people has today become receptivity's most frequent and most fulfilling expression. We see a related elevation of the most surface layers of experience with how likes and clicks have become defining measures of significance and how selfies have become modern signifiers of identity. Art and the seductive power of advertising. What is today's most prominent and influential art form? Hands down, at least in terms of money spent, it is advertising. It is important to appreciate that this fact turns art's ultimate purpose on its head. Through history, art has served to give expression to newly emerging themes in the human story. Think of the Renaissance presaging modern age understanding. In this way, it has been the voice for a particularly essential kind of truth. What while advertising played a positive role in the rise of modern economic forms, today it has become little more than a form of highly sophisticated lying, using the language of art to manipulate. You can see the link to advertising and art. Modern advertising consequences are particularly damaged when that, damaging when that power is directed at children, who are vulnerable not just because they are innocent, but because the language of advertising draws specifically on the imagination-based aspects of intelligence through which children most find meaning. I consider advertising directed at young people intended only to generate profit as a particularly egregious form of child abuse. See child abuse in the marketplace. Next, exploiting our human hunger for human connectedness. Connectedness was paramount in our tribal beginnings. To be excluded from the tribe would be tantamount to non-existence. Over the course of history, close bonds in a community have gradually given way to a reality in which individuality becomes what most defines us. Today we can find ourselves at once hungry for community and distanced from parts of ourselves needed for deep connection. One result is that we become vulnerable to confusing the most trivial kinds of connectedness with human relationship, a fact exploited by advertising and popular media. For many people, they provide the most reliable images of emotional closeness, and increasingly by social media. While, such, while much in social media meets real needs, as much more is ludicrous and a distraction from the essential task in our time of learning to engage both ourselves and our others and others with new depth. Confusion about the body. Body intelligence was primary in our cultural beginnings. Everyone knew the tribal songs and dances. Over time, we have become increasingly distant from body sensibility. With transitional times, people come to live increasingly on the body's surface. This circumstance can leave us both confused about our bodies and vulnerable to having whatever body connectedness remains exploited for economic gain. This recognition provides another way to think about the roots of addiction, whether that substance is a physical drug, food, or the artificial stimulation of an electronic device. Too often, we lack the basic bodily feedback we need to distinguish real meaning from artificial substitutes. 
We see the same disconnect in today's obsession with the most surface aspects of physical appearance, witness our current infatuation with plastic surgery, and with the use of sex to sell almost every kind of product. We have become so used to the trivialization and exploitation of the body that we fail to recognize that we are violating much in ourselves that is most precious. Co-opting the spiritual. Given that the spiritual represents the ultimate expression of the more left-hand receptive archetypally, archetypally, archetypally feminine aspects of our natures, see the link to religion, we should expect to suffer some particularly striking transitional absurdities. Very often today we see remarkably simple-minded conclusion, conclusions in the spiritual religious realm. I think in particular of fundamentalist prosperity theology beliefs that make it all about individual advantage and the easy answer solutions the more utopian of new age thinking. One religion-related transitional absurdity example is so familiar in our experience that we might miss it altogether. I include it because it helps remind us that transitional absurdities have their origins in big-picture, long-term dynamics, that they're not just problems. A major portion of what we tend to do during the Christmas holidays is correctly thought of as transitional absurdity. Christmas today has little connection with the holiday's mystical roots, and if we are honest, very little to do with anything religious at all. It has, come primarily, it has become primarily a celebration to bind things, a materiality, in essence a celebration of spirituality's opposite. We don't like to acknowledge this fact because what remains rep represents the last vestige of something that has been deep and precious, but it's hard to deny. Finally, a modern crisis of purpose. Beyond such specific transitional absurdities, a more encompassing way in which overshooting the mark manifests brings us back to today's broader crisis of purpose. In part, the fact that we would experience such a crisis as a function simply of the loss of familiar truths. But if the concept of cultural maturity is accurate, it is just as much a function of the kind of disconnectedness that, to that produces more particular overshooting-the-mark transitional absurdities. Actions have no meaning estranged from their relational contexts, and freedom severed from the flesh from which our unique human capacities arise stops being freedom at all. Such recognition is not pleasant, but all of, the, but all of this is very real. And these realities are not just absurd. If we extend them any great distance into the future, they become insanity. How the concept of cultural maturity helps us. The recognition of transitional absurdity can serve us as an important kind of teacher. But as I suggested, for such recognition to help us in this way, we must apply the concept with care. As we find with other tools of critique, the concept of transitional absurdity can easily become a repository for any phenomena that our particular worldview might find diversive. For the concept to provide benefit, we have to appreciate that transitional absurdity represents a very specific notion that requires nuanced discernment. But with such careful discernment, the concept provides essential insight for going forward. It does so in multiple ways. As a start, the concept of transitional absurdity helps us make sense of why in our time we should see the disturbing results that I have described. The fact of these results are predicted at the, at the fact that these results are predicted at the least makes them more understandable. The concept of transitional absurdity also helps us recognize how what we see may have more positive implications than we might assume. I've introduced the notion that the reason these disturbing circumstances are predictable is that they reflect stage-specific dynamics with larger, ultimately creative mechanisms. In the end, they are wholly consistent with cultural maturity's realization, and thus with hope. Arguably, the only alternative interpretation if the concept of cultural maturity is not correct may be that we are reaching the end of humanity's grand experiment. 
In addition, the concept of transitional absurdity helps us by alerting us to the kinds of actions that can provide real benefit. This final benefit has both specific and big picture aspects. The more specific aspect relates to how cultural maturity changes bring the new capacities that we need if we are to address the critical challenges before us. Transitional absurdities highlight the need for these new capacities and some of what they might make possible. As example, here I've pointed toward the importance of new maturity in our relationship to limits. The more big picture aspect relates to the recognition that the antidote for each of the kinds of unpleasantness that I have described is in the end the same. Cultural maturity and the more sophisticated ways of thinking and acting that it makes possible. These multiple kinds of benefits come together in an additional, more everyday way in which recognizing the fact of transitional absurdity can assist us. The concept can help us avoid responding to circumstances in less than useful ways. Without the needed perspective, any of the specific examples I've described can distract us, leaving us vulnerable to having our precious creative energy sidetracked. We can get caught up in the lunacy of political soap opera or become irate that some particular issue is met with denial. Such reactions are understandable. And certainly, it is important to speak out strongly when we encounter absurdity. But responding reactively to how others might hide from the obvious is seldom, in the end, a good use of attention and resources. It rarely does any good. And responding reactively ignores an essential recognition that follows that the concept of culture of maturity is accurate. Most of the idiocy we see today should, with time, do itself in. If we miss this recognition, our reactions end up feeding into and prolonging the absurdity. If an, issue, if an issue really matters, the task is to best make sense of what is going on and to identify and support solution. This maturity of response asks more of a person, but in the end it is what produces actions that make a difference. The recognition that transitional absurdities carry far into the future become not just absurd, but insane, raises some obvious questions about, about what we should anticipate in the decades immediately ahead. Note that we simult see simultaneously two trajectories with markedly different implications. While cultural maturity suggests important new possibility, the fact of transitional absurdities suggests something quite different if such blindnesses continue to any great degree, and it is likely that many of them will. We may well need to confront much that is quite crazy in times ahead. Whatever proves to be the case, we can take comfort in the guidance implied to the concept of transitional absurdity. No matter how bumpy the road ahead, the task remains the same and ultimately straightforward. We need to engage what we find with the perspective, indeed the wisdom, the cultural maturity's more encompassing vantage provides.